does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Today, I want to welcome in Pat Boylan, Pacers radio sideline reporter, joining us here on the show. So we got the in-season tournament kicking off tonight, huh, Pat? Uh, what do the players sound like as far as this thing, this new idea in the NBA this season? You know what? It's been interesting because the takeaways from the players, at least so far, albeit have not having not played in any games yet, but the takeaways so far have been those of genuine interest and intrigue. You know, I think a lot of people wonder when you see the contracts that these guys are making these days, if the money pool is an incentive or not. And, you know, even not being asked about it, a couple of players, um, Buddy Heald brought it up the other day. Uh, talked about the the pot being a, a, a significant incentive, and so you know it's it's something new. And I think the NBA has always kind of been on the forefront of ingenuity and, and trying to come up with new and fresh ideas. And uh, we'll we'll find out along with all of you how this thing goes. But yes, first one is up here tonight. And one thing that I do think is significant that I really like about what the NBA is doing with this is some people might not know the WNBA has had a version of this uh, for the past few years. And I also do play by play for the fever and overall it's gone over pretty well. I think one of the challenges with the WNBA's version is people don't always know, okay, when is this game also uh, in their verbiage, a commissioner's cup game or an in-season tournament game in the NBA. And one thing that I think the NBA had done that is very smart is these courts make it, extremely obvious when these <laughs> games are. So if you haven't seen the Pacers court, uh, you're, you're not, you're not going to watch a Pacers in-season tournament game at home and wonder, is it an in-season tournament game or not? It's pretty obvious. Pat, I'm always involved and excited when more stakes are at play. And just to make sure we have it right, I think we did it justice earlier, but I want to get clarification from you. So we're in group play right now. And for those that don't know, it's kind of like the model of the Champions League for soccer across the pond where it's a random teams put into respective pots within their own conference. And then the winner of each of those groups moves on. And then it's a wild card team from each conference based on their play and group play and their conference record. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And actually the way that I, that this at least makes the most sense to my brain is if you're a baseball fan and you can go back Oh, gosh, how long has this been now? I guess it's been a a little while, but maybe 10 years or so before the extra wild cards started getting added in. You had three divisions in baseball. Each division winner made it. And then a fourth wild card team, the best team of those three divisions, made up the four playoff teams on each side. So from a qualification standpoint, it's just like that. The three group winners, there are three groups in the East, three groups in the West. The three group winners of those four games that you will play uh, will advance, and then one extra wild card team among the three. So you certainly want to be in a position where you're leading your group because that's the auto qualifier, but you can get in if you've played well and another team has played even better in your group. And then for regular season games, it, it it's all the same regardless if you move through or not up until 
Is it the semifinal or is it the final that would be an extra game? Yeah, the only game that you're going to watch in the in-season tournament that will not count as a regular season game is the championship matchup. So if you're watching an in-season tournament game or an in-season knockout round game, these games are also qualifying for the regular season. And I think that's the simplest way to put it is, look, there's going to be people that I think love this. There's going to be people, um, you know, that are traditionalists that say this isn't really for me. And the thing I would stress to people that are maybe in that boat is if you want, you can just kind of forget the in-season tournament is happening because it's all alongside these regular season games. So this game tonight, yes, it's an in-season tournament game, but it counts toward the regular season standings just like any other game would have on a Friday night. And if you make the knockout round, if you make that top eight that we were just discussing, those first two games that you would play in are also counting towards your regular season record. So it's just the championship game where that differs. And that's because they don't want anybody playing an 83rd game. I'm hoping for one player to just come out and blast this thing. You know what I mean, Pat? Like, do you think there will be anyone that's like, I don't even know what we're doing. How can we have the championship game be the only game that doesn't count statistically? I just want someone to go on a rant. I'm not fully against it. I, I just think, uh, hey, it's if it gives them some buzz in November and December, God bless them because sometimes you get lost in the football shuffle. So I'm not dead set against it. I just think it would be hilarious if a player blasted this thing. Do you think we're going to get anything even close to that? <laughs> you know, the reason I don't think so is because, you know, like I said, all of these games are also counting toward regular season games. So if you get a player that, that, that is not really a fan of this, well, it's important that you win these games anyway because they're counting towards your record. And I think first and foremost, you know, that, that's what's important here. This game tonight counts toward the Pacers' record, toward making the playoffs once they get to April. It also counts in the second pot. And the reason I think in general you're getting a positive outlook from the players is because, you know, any time you dangle a little extra money in front, that helps. And so, you know, I, I think from that aspect, look, if you're going to go all the way to the championship game – you know, is it a little quirky that that game doesn't count for the standings? Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from there. But once you get to that point, you know, these players are going to be making money. I, I don't remember the exact pot, uh, but if you get to a championship game and you're playing an extra game that doesn't count, well, you're also going to be taking home a check too. So that's why I think ultimately um, it'll be a winner with the players and ultimately I think why you have seen a general positive discourse. At least I can only speak – to the Pacers players, but it's been a general positive discourse from a Pacers perspective. Pat Boylan of the Pacers Radio Network taking some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Pat Boylan Pacers. Pat, I don't want to visit it too much because it was gross, but what, if anything, did we learn about the Pacers in the beatdown at the hands of the Celtics? And is it possible to measure what that game would have been like had Tyrese Halliburton been out there? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good and a fair question. And I always try to view the first five to ten games from a prism of if this happened, if this game or this stretch of games happened in late January, is it catching your eye in the same way that it does now? And don't get me wrong, a loss in the way that the Pacers fell um, the other day is one that catches your eye in January. But I think it's also important to look at the bigger picture here 
Um, you know, they did have a 20-plus a point win and a 10-plus point win earlier in the season, too. I think if you were to start to see scenarios where, if especially if Halliburton wasn't playing, if the Pacers were just, you know, significantly uncompetitive and you started seeing more examples of that, then I definitely think um, it would be cause for concern. And if you look at last year's team, the Pacers were five games over 500 at the midway point. And without Tyrese Halliburton, and some of this was the injury that happened right at the midway point of the season, and then some of this was he was sitting late in the season. So a couple different scenarios there. Uh, but the Pacers were 7-19 and 19 when they didn't have him last year. And I think it goes without saying that when Halliburton is not available this year, the Pacers have to do better than that winning percentage because he's probably not going to play 81 or 82 games. That is, you know, not unrealistic, but probably unlikely. So you're going to have hopefully not a huge stretch of games without Halliburton this year, but you probably will have a stretch in there. It's the NBA, and I think that's just being realistic. So improving when you don't have him, I think, is a massive goal for this team this year because they were in a great spot and then his injury kind of derailed things. And so if you come into a significant or a similar situation this year, you want to be able to survive that stretch. And obviously Boston the other night was not a good first example of that. But in general, early in the season, you know, I, I try to take the positives and the negatives and just kind of put them on hold until you get enough games under your belt to draw any sort of conclusions or any sort of trends. You look at the Pacers' defense here, Pat, uh, giving up the second most points per night than anybody else in the league. Only the Wizards are worse. Do you see the Pacers' defense at least getting respectable this year? Well, I think it maybe is the biggest key uh, to the season this year. They were near the very bottom a couple of years ago, and I think they were 25th in defensive rating last year. I do think it's important when you look at the Pacers defensively this year that I think you've seen this trend in general in the NBA and college basketball, but a look at defensive rating versus points scored because the Pacers are going to be running up and down the floor and the Pacers are going to have games like the opener where they give up 120 points and they win handedly. And that's not necessarily an example of the defense playing poorly, but just the amount of possessions that you mm -hmm. have. But to answer your question, I think it's probably the biggest key of the season is the Pacers were somewhere around 25th last year. Are they going to get into the top 10? It would be nice, but I don't think they have to get there. I think they need to get somewhere closer to – I think if they end the season in the defensive rating in the 15 to 20 area and their offense is able to do what it appears like it can do – then I think they'll really be happy with where things stand. So, you know, you have, a, you have a game where you give up 155 to Boston. It's going to skew numbers early in the year. As we talked about, the key is, not, is making sure that you're not having another one of those or another few of those here come up, especially in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I think there's reasonable hope, right? You went out and got Bruce Bowen for that specifically, um, and I think he's going to help. I think a guy like Andrew Nemhard in year two is going to help. Um, this probably isn't a team that's a defensive stalwart this year, but I do think if they can take that next step forward, which I think is a reasonable expectation, uh, Jim Boylan as well, assistant coach, he's been an NBA coach and is a defensive specialist, is on the staff and working closely with that group. Um, I think if they can get there into that 15 to 20 range, I think that'll solve a lot of problems and they'll like where they are at the end of the year. Um, and, and we'll see if they can get there. Pat, how much of this matchup tonight, Pat Boylan, 
Pacers sideline reporter for the Pacers radio network, taking some time with us here on the fan. Pat, how much of tonight's matchup against the Cavs, second meeting, as you mentioned, between these two teams already, changes from both a measuring stick standpoint and how the Pacers will have to be prepared with Donovan Mitchell expected to play and then Darius Garland and Jared Allen questionable at this point, or at least last I saw. Yeah, you know, the the game they played in Cleveland, there was no Donovan Mitchell, there was no Jared Allen, uh, there was no Darius Garland, and the Pacers got off to a slow start but ultimately took care of business. And the Pacers obviously have injury questions uh, with themselves. Harry Salliburton not playing against Boston, and I don't think, at least unless I just missed it, that there has been a, a determination on him tonight. So it, it makes tonight's game, you know, right now a little tough to gauge. Where are the Pacers health-wise? And whereas Cleveland health-wise, I, I think having Mitchell makes all of the difference for Cleveland. Don't get me wrong, they're probably not the type of team that's competing to go to the Eastern Conference Finals without Allen and without Garland. Um, but the difference between the Cavs without all three of those versus the difference between the Cavs of not having Allen and Garland, but yes, having Mitchell, I think is really significant. He's a he's that type of player that can take over a game, that just his presence alone can totally change the dynamic. Unfortunately, there's a lot of different possibilities for how the injury report looks here tonight, but um, you know, you're playing against a, a team in your conference, a team that you probably went into the year viewing like you're chasing. You got a good win already. And if you could get a win here tonight, you've got two wins against the Cavs team that by the end of the year is probably going to be in the top four, top five. And if you can do that, even if injuries aid you in doing that, you're going to get a couple of wins that I think other teams around the Pacers at the end of the year might not be getting. So I do think there is some significance in this game um, from that regard. Pat, I'm sure you've broken this down from a betting standpoint, the in-season tournament, right? Like, who are we putting our money on? Who's going to win this whole thing? <laughs> well, to be clear, uh, we get a, a nice either in-person or video um, <laughs> demonstration before every single year that makes it very, very clear about uh, what we can and cannot bet on within the NBA and within the Pacers. So to answer your question specifically – uh, no, I unfortunately haven't been able to do all of that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, think, I think with just the four games being played in the group stage round, I think what, what you have the potential is, is just for a, a lot of wild scenarios to occur. Um, you, you go over the course of an 82-game season or even a month of an NBA season – and you have 14, 15 games, and things start to you know, kind of level out. The outlier games kind of level out a little bit. When you only play four games, uh, you probably can only lose once to make the knockout round. So if you're a really good team and you have an injury on one night and then you have a bad night, like you're out. And if you're a team that's not that good, but you have a couple of hot nights and maybe catch some injury luck, like with only four games to determine who makes the knockout round, I think you could see some pretty wild results once we get there. And so, you know, from that perspective, uh, maybe it makes things a lot more up in the air than it would say, let's play 82 games and let's do a best of seven series. We're talking about four games and knockout rounds now. So I think, I think the potential of an upset is far, far greater 
than in a regular NBA season and playoffs. Pat, a different angle. No, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Go go, go ahead. I was going to say a different angle on that for the Pacers as a franchise. I know it's so weird to ask this because everybody likes winning, right? No one's going to be upset with winning. But Brian and I were discussing this last segment about (laughs) what does it do for the NBA or what does it do for a franchise if they win the first version of the NBA Cup? I'd argue if it's a team that feels like they're maybe a year or two away from really being in the Larry O'Brien conversation, maybe this is a launching point tournament. Do you feel that same way for the Pacers if they were able to hoist this thing at the end in December? Yeah, you know, I think it could be. Look, if the Pacers were to make the championship game, are all fans around Indianapolis and Indiana going to be on the edge of their seats and losing their minds like they were, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals <laughs> run to the No, that's not going to happen, of course. But I think what you can potentially gain from this is if you are able to make the knockout rounds, which, by the way, you know, just looking at that a little bit, you've got Cleveland and you've got Philadelphia in your group. So making the knockout stage is not going to be easy. Those are two really good teams. And Atlanta, we'll see. They've had kind of an up-and-down last couple of years, but Trey Young, DeJounte Murray – you know the firepower that comes with them. So making the knockout rounds in of itself would be quite an accomplishment when you look at the group that the Pacers are in. But if, if you're playing in these games and you make the knockout round, there's going to be uh, more eyeballs on you. You're going to be on ESPN or you're going to be on TNT versus maybe what a regular season game would otherwise look like. And if you're advancing and you're getting to the Final Four – and you're fortunate enough to make the championship, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on you. And I guarantee you those games in the knockout round and in the championship feel different than just a regular game in the season. So I do think from a momentum or from a, you know, gain some confidence perspective, if you play well in this, if you go even all the way and somehow win it, could that be something that you build upon? Yeah, I do think so. But I also think it's being realistic about the difference of this in-season tournament and the playoffs. I think nobody is going to argue or even make the case that this is even close to the level of importance as the playoffs. Uh, But as far as November, maybe early December basketball goes, I do think it's a good measuring stick and maybe a chance for a team like the Pacers to get some confidence. Uh, real fast, Pat, because I'm curious about this. The video that you watch and uh, not discussing gambling, certainly not participating in gambling i'm just curious if you know one of these knucklehead radio hosts like you know like jimmy cook you know i would never <laughs> do something like this but if jimmy's just like hey uh who do you think's gonna win the in-season tournament you know or uh what do you think pacers plus 11 tonight or like what what can you actually say can you even throw it out there like i'm not betting on it but i mean the box look like a good team to win this in-season tournament like what can you and can't you say when it comes to stuff like that? No, you can certainly make predictions. Um, I, I think where it can get a, a little murky is if you're making specific posi- uh, predictions based on a specific bet, right? Like there's nothing keeping me from saying, I think there's a pretty good chance that Denver repeats as champions. Mm-hmm. And the, the, what has gotten a little murky, right, is, is – how much just gambling has been infiltrated into all of pro sports and all of sports in general over the last few years. But, um, I, you know, I know Jeremiah Johnson and on the TV side, like they have a, they will look at betting lines, but it's a, it's, a, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's a, it's a fine line to toe. And admittedly, I play it a little bit on the conservative side because as somebody that myself doesn't have a ton of interest in gambling other than, 
you know, maybe the Indy 500 or the Kentucky Derby. To me, that's fun, but I'm not a regular gambler. So uh, for me, I definitely toe the line conservatively. No doubt about that. Well, hey, we'll be watching tonight with the uh, crazy uniforms, the crazy court, the in-season tournament. We're ready to go, Pat, but we appreciate your time today, man. Thank you for, uh, for visiting with us. Gentlemen, always appreciate the time. And, yes, uh, you know, when you, when you watch tonight, there's going to be no. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Please welcome in Kevin Bowen. The wake-up call with KB and Andy joins us here on The Fan. KB, good day to you, sir. Yeah, I just had a, a flashback right before I started talking to you right now. And uh, you lined your pockets with a savvy Pacers season-long over bet on their win total, right? Do you have anything going this season? Yeah, I I, um, I got a little greedy. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Last year, obviously, very happy. I feel like if my son would like to, Ivy School could be a possibility. <laughs> um, and now I'm thinking more community college after the first week of the season. Nothing oh, like no. it, it, nothing like the general overreaction in the NBA season to oh yeah, by Halloween I'm already going here. But yes, I do. I have Pacers 45 wins or more. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Getting to. So, uh, what are we thinking right here? Like, I don't know if their defense is better than the Colts' defense at this point. How, how are we feeling about 45 wins? Yeah, that is fair. You know, if we would have this conversation maybe, I guess, last Friday, I would have you know, acted a little differently. But, you know, I threw up a caveat of when I made the bet, Tyrese Halliburton can't get hurt. Uh, is Tyrese Halliburton worth 51 points? That probably would be a little ludicrous for me to – lay the sole blame of Wednesday night totally at not having Halbert in the lineup. But I do feel like, I mean, if you look at last season, you know, this team not only lost more frequently than they won without Halbert, but, I mean, they got blown off the floor many times without him in the lineup. And I would think naturally NBA teams see that. They realize that. And even when he's out there, they're going to try to do their best to, you know, whatever, make him work a little extra on the defensive end, get the ball out of his hands offensively, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, to, the, the highs and lows of gambling, the emotional pull, one eight hundred nine with it. Uh, I, I don't feel <laughs> as optimistic uh, this Friday as I did last Friday. But the, the beautiful part of it, let's chat next Friday and see how I feel again. Did you put that caveat in with the sports book, or was that just a moral caveat <laughs> in your head? I was trying to figure out how that worked. Is that a push if he gets hurt? 
very shame these apps don't allow for the caveats to be thrown in there. Um, yeah, maybe that'll be something that'll happen once Max becomes 18 years old and can do these on his own end. Uh, I, I really don't even know what to think of Wednesday night, to be totally honest with you. Like, is it a – is this all, all of a sudden, is this going to be the norm? You know, Boston is incredible. Uh, I think that's pr- pretty accurate. And uh, the Pacers couldn't throw it in the ocean, even when they did get open looks. So, I think it's five-game five, five homestands, a big one. I think tonight's important, given it's Cleveland. You expect that team to be in the mix with you, or at least that's probably the hope. Um, in this early part of the schedule, we've had Rick Carlisle on now several weeks in a row, and he's made it very clear to us every time, we got to take advantage of this early part of the schedule, seven of your first nine at home. So there you go, five in a row. What do you think of this in-season tournament that starts tonight? you think the NBA has a, a good idea here, or are you just sort of shrugging your shoulders at this thing? Yeah, probably a little, uh, if you married those two, you know, a little bit of the shrug of the shoulders, a little bit of, you know, might as well. I mean, mm-hmm. what else, you know, in November and early December of an NBA season? I, if you absolutely hate it, if you think the floor is stupid, if you think the jerseys are dumb, if it's confusing, good news. It counts as one of the 82 to go to the old playoff format that we all know and love and, and you know, no, no bearing on, you know, any sort of difference with that. And if you want some spice, if you like the Premier League, maybe, uh, if you're just looking for a little bit something different uh, in the early part of the season, then this is it for you. And I do think this will provide something. Um, you know, I don't think it's overly confusing. I mean, it definitely takes a, a minute or two to explain. But, you know, basically, it, you know, for anybody that's played AAU basketball or travel baseball or certainly has been a part of soccer tournaments, the World Cup, basically the Pacers are in a – five-team group, and the winner of that group makes it to the Elite Eight. And there'll be a couple wild-card spots for the Elite Eight teams, but once you get to Vegas for the Elite Eight, it's one and done. So, uh, And if you don't make it there, you're going to play loser bracket games to satisfy, uh, make sure you have the same amount of games as the teams that, that do win. So I'm good at the NBA trying something new, but at the same time, I don't think we need to you know, book a Georgia Street parade if the Pacers win it either. The fan zone, Kevin Bowen, joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070 and, of course, hear him on the wake-up call with KB and Andy 7 to 10 a.m. on these very airwaves. KB, last thing on the Pacers for me, Donovan Mitchell was not available, as were a handful of other Cavaliers, Darius Garland, notably as well, in the first meeting when the Pacers won 125-113. Going back to the defense, and we had Pat Boyle on earlier, and I'm kind of with him. It's too early to be able to tell where the improvements are, if they're going to be there this season. But what is able to be told is the ability of Evan Mobley to pretty much have his way with the Pacers, especially down low. Where do you want to see a response or trying to contain him a little bit better, especially with Miles Turner and perhaps Jalen Smith? I know he has an injury designation, and I haven't seen the full injury report just yet, but let's say he goes – how do they go about trying to limit Mobley with the addition of Donovan Mitchell now out there as well? Well, I think that last point, in, in a way, it might indirectly you know, make that question maybe not as important just because Donovan Mitchell obviously is going to dominate the ball a whole lot. Um, so maybe you might not have whatever individual you know, playmaking by Mobley or he certainly won't be asked to do as much as he was last Friday night. Um, but, I mean, that this is a matchup that you know, isn't maybe the traditional big that has gotten the best of Turner before. You need to kind of think of Embiid and when he was in his prime, Andre Drummond or Steven Adams, you know, some of these more, you know, kind of bigger, powerful big guys that, you know, just physically outmuscle him. So I'd like to think that that kind of won't be the norm with Turner. Obviously, Mobley's very gifted. He wouldn't have been the you know, second overall pick 
without having those traits, uh, I think so much this matchup to me still comes back to, you know, what you do in the perimeter. And, you know, you go back to the first quarter of that matchup last Friday and Karis LeVert goes off. And if you look at Monday night, you know, as great of a job as you might have done with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, you, you still fouled them way too much. Um, so I still think the wing defense, you know, and, and that responsibility on Bruce Brown and Benedict Mathern is where I probably start first in this matchup. But, you know, to your point, Jimmy, this is kind of what makes Cleveland, you know, on that tier, on that second tier. You know, we assume Boston, Milwaukee are on tier one. You know, a big reason why Cleveland is there is because, you know, they do have a, a young guy that's incredibly skilled and, you know, deservedly so. A lot of people think, you know, he could be a great player in the NBA. So, um, I'll be curious about that, but probably more so, you know, Mitchell and if Carlin plays and Levert, how you handle that, I think will be the first thing that you got to take care of. If we shift over to the Colts, KB, what do you think about the Colts secondary specifically against Bryce Young and the Panthers this Sunday? Well, I, the, the good news is I don't think Carolina has the depth of wide receiver that New Orleans does. So I don't think they will test you you know, into that, you know, cornerback depth chart um, to the point with enough quality. Like, again, I, I, I do feel like um, Carolina, or excuse me, that New Orleans brought to the table. So I think that's that's important. <laughs> and, again, it's kind of by default, but it's not, you know, me sitting here being like, oh, the Colts have got a great cornerback plan and they should have used that last week. You know, I, I've thrown out the name Darren Hall. He's a practice squad guy who started nine games for the Falcons last year. Admittedly, it's a dart at a dart board, but, you know, that to me is an option that you should try uh, based off nothing else really working in that room. Um, and I, I just look at a rookie quarterback. I look at, you know, facing those guys. So there was C.J. Stroud in week two, and, I mean, hell, you could see Will Levis here in a month. and um, You know, you might even see Aiden O'Connell with a couple weeks ago in the season. Uh, to me, it's just – I feel like when you face these rookie QBs, it's so paramount that you change up the norm, that you don't just stick to the, hey, we're going to do what we do, and we do it better than you do it, or we do it super well. Well, why not throw a curveball at the rookie quarterback who might be prepping all week long, not to mention you have a Frank Reich element to this game, and that, of course, is somebody that knows what Gus Bradley's scheme is all about. Um, so I, I really point to that more than anything in terms of a change-up or throwing a curveball. At Bryce Young, he's been sacked a, a, a ton. I mean, even last week when they won, he got sacked six times in that game. So, uh, again, it's Adam Thielen or pretty much a bunch of random dudes at wideout. You know, maybe Kenny Moore follows Thielen around a little bit in some key third-down red zone situations. The Colts have typically not done that, but I think that would be something that I would look into as well. The fan zone, Kevin Bowen, is our guest here on Query and Company. KB, one of the comments that you had tweeted out from Shane Steichen's availability today caught my attention greatly because it kind of throws a wrench in whatever the heck this tight end room is for the Indianapolis Colts. And you tweeted this out, which was that we'll see in quotes on if Jelani Woods plays this season. Now, I don't want to take away from what Drew Ogletree's been able to do at times or what Kylan Granson has been able to do at times, but you and I have talked about this before. It feels like this is a tight end room that has a lot of gadgets, not the right word, but guys that do different roles, but none of them do all of the roles combined exceptionally well that would make a tight end one. Does the Jelani Woods news or potential news that he wouldn't play this year magnify that to a further point, or are we still in about the same boat we were to begin with? 
No, I think it's fair to say that it does, Jimmy. Um, you know, look at late last season. So much of this season was a disaster once you got to Thanksgiving and beyond. But if there were some individual bright spots late last year, I would say Bernard Ryman would qualify as that. And now you feel, you know, even though he's had a hiccup or two against some great rushers, you feel like, oh, wow, this could be your left tackle of the future. And Jelani Woods, you know, remember that Monday night game against the Steelers? I mean, that was a real, real bright spot late in the year. And coming into year two, you thought, okay, natural year one to year two growth, a position that obviously is important in Shane Steichen's offense. Uh, certainly, if you look at tight end history, whether it was Ken Doger and Marcus Pollard for Peyton or um, you know, Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener early on for Andrew Luck, you know, young quarterbacks relying on those tight ends, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you would hope that Jelani Woods could have shown that. And now here we are week nine, uh, and the answer from Shane Steichen is we'll see on if he plays this season, and you've got a game next week. He obviously is not going to play in that. So, you know, you're at least going to get to, you know, week 12, and he will have not played yet this season. I mean, that is incredibly disappointing for a guy that, yeah, had a lot of intrigue in the offseason, had a lot of intrigue late last season as well. And, you know, so much of this year is about, you know, what those puzzle pieces look like for Anthony Richardson moving forward and trying to find some of those, particularly pass catchers, um, especially when your wideout group, you know, doesn't have, uh, you know, you know many, if any, kind of slam dunks, if you will. Obviously, Josh Downs, you 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 feel really good about. So, um, yeah, I do think that is uh, that is something certainly to uh, you know watch here over the final month month and a half of the season. By the way, before you go, KB, if you're looking at the bet and saying, ah, Pacers 45 wins, not looking great, I need to recoup these funds for Ivy League schooling, you know? Are you looking to week nine? Is there anything that you love for a KB special? Uh, that's a great point. Um, sounds like that'd be the ultimate chase here in mid-November. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want <laughs> Yeah, I, my, I don't know if my risk aversion is at that same level. Uh, what, what are we talking about in Germany? Jimmy Cook, Brian No, what are we talking? What's yeah. that line, Chiefs Dolphins? It's at two right now. There's a little bit more buyback for the Chiefs. I don't know why. Maybe Jimmy's betting <laughs> during commercial breaks here. I'm not doing what sure. I can. Over under fifty Jimmy, and a half. You, uh, no, I'm not. Worried? Go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say, I, and this is kind of a storyline for the Colts next week. And I guess it's your annual international game storyline of you know when does the team travel over to play their game? Uh, Miami uh, doing the whole week. Kansas City not doing the whole week. Uh, do you care, Jimmy? Should I bet Miami because of that? No, I wouldn't bet Miami because of that. The reason, if you were to bet Miami, and I wouldn't harp on you one way or the other if that is the side you decide to back, is because Brian and I talked about this on Wednesday, that the Chiefs' linebacking core has suffered two injuries that will inhibit key contributors on this defense, been one of the best in the league the last two weeks. And on top of that, this will be the biggest test that secondary has had. It's rose to the occasion each week, but you can't replicate what Jalen Waddle, what Tyreek Hill are able to do. Uh, they're an explosive offense. I'm just hoping that as many offensive linemen from Miami are hurt as possible and Chris Jones and George Karloftis can kind of game wreck things for Tua. But it's going to be a great game. Miami has the firepower to do it. Um I'm right now the bet I'm most confident in KB. If you're looking to chase and get back mm. with the Pacers insurance, minus 125, you're giving up a little bit of juice. Tyree Kill's going to find the end zone. He's going to hit a peace sign on Trent McDuffie. It's going to be legendary. It'll go viral. I would back Ty Tyree Kill to score a touchdown on Sunday. Okay, interesting. I feel obligated. I've said this before. 
if a power conference team is getting 30 points or more, I have to take that team. That would be Purdue getting mm. 32 and a half against Michigan. Now, Ryan Walters made me very nervous last night <laughs> with a, a, a public call out of Jim Harbaugh and what Michigan's doing. I respect the hell out of that. I appreciate Ryan Walters for doing that. But that means Jim Harbaugh does not let off the gas whatsoever come late <laughs> Saturday night. That is my one concern. And, you know, J.J. McCarthy is now in the game for two extra series just based off Ryan Walters' comments. <laughs> Having said that, I will be sprinkling uh, – I'll be putting a little more than a sprinkle on Purdue 32-and-a-half. Max Bowen helmet pick. Where do we land? I know it's on Twitter now. If you want to just tease it there yeah. and have fans go there, that's fine. But how do we land today? Yeah, the kid is in a drought. That that means I won't pick him up from daycare uh, until the final minute today, just out of out of punishment. Uh, he has gone Colts, which I feel like, I don't know, the white helmet of the Colts must be uh, something that's standing out to him. That is now five straight weeks he has gone with the Colts. So safe to say he is in a drought, but uh, he, he's going with the road favorite here in week nine. Okay. All right. We'll see how that works out. Well, KB, uh, always appreciate you, you popping on, man. Good to visit with you. Hope you have a tremendous weekend, and hope uh, you're not betting like uh, you know tuition on these these helmet bets, right? Like that's not that's not what's going on there. <laughs> well, uh, steal a phrase from Shane Steichen today when asked about Shaquille Leonard, and you know any any comments from Shaquille towards the coaching staff on his lack of role, and uh, we'll keep those uh, conversations private between me and the various betting apps out there. <laughs> Fair enough. When, man. I, when I'll let you know when I lose or I'm struggling. I'll play court. Exactly. That's the way. That's the best policy yeah, right there, move. KB. That yeah, move. veteran exactly. move. Uh, hey, have a great weekend, man. We'll catch you soon, KB. Boys, have a great weekend. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Wake up call with KB and Andy here on the fan. Yeah, wow. He, he mentioned Ryan Walters. The other thing, the Purdue head coach. He's like, yeah, we got new signals ahead of facing Michigan. I don't know if you heard about this whole sign stealing thing. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's been a factor for them all season. They really had high hopes this group could be good, but um, they've been kind of piecing things together. I mean, they're going to probably be without Von Bell. Uh, they're one of their starting safeties again. Um, Justin Houston has been an outside linebacker that's kind of played in spells. He's going to be out. Uh, you got Brian Burns, who's going to play, but he's got dealing with an elbow injury. Then you got J.C. Horn, who's probably not going to be ready to return for another few weeks. He's been out for over a month at one cornerback spot. You got your other cornerback spot. I think Dante Jackson will probably play, but you know he's he's got an injury that popped up today, so that's going to be a factor. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. I could there's three or four other guys that are on IR. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been frustrating for this team to have to deal with all that. But what you saw last week, I was actually in. Shockingly impressed at the way they were able to hold the Texans down uh, with so many missing pieces out there. And, um, you know, Frank, Frank Reich, if you know, he's got that next man up mentality. Uh, he was he was one of those next men up when he was a player. 
and he's got them believing they can still succeed. So they've got some young guys they're having to count on now. D.J. Johnson, their outside linebacker that they took in the uh, draft this past year, they feel like he's starting to play well and going to get some shots again. It just The list goes on and on for what they've had to deal with this year, uh, and that's a big reason they're one and six right now. David. Yeah, it's crazy, man. What, what do you see in this particular matchup against the Colts offense and Gardner Minshew, who have moved the ball? They've just been turning it over a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing the Panthers got to do is figure out how to stop the run. I mean, they did it last week uh, for the season. They haven't done it very well. They're like 29th, I think, in the league in run defense. Um, I think he's going to see them mixing in there with some different formations and then they've typically used, uh, but they, they've really got to find a way to do that because if, you know, Jonathan Taylor and, and Moss are able to get that running game going, then, you know, that's going to be tough for them to, to get through the day uh, very well because, you know, that, that's that been a thing that's bitten them many times this season. And, again, I think that's going to be the focus. They want to see if they can force the, the Colts to pass and, and go from there. David Newton is our guest, covers the Panthers for ESPN.com. David, the Colts' secondary has been abysmal for pretty much the entire year, and no Juju Brents officially declared they're one of their stud rookies at that position. When you look at the Panthers offensively and the struggles and sometimes the ups they've had this year, most notably Adam Thielen and what he's been able to do with Carolina, do they have – enough firepower offensively and is Frank Wright going to be able to cook up enough offensively to where if the Colts are able to put up the high marks they've done this year 20 or more in every game so far this season that they can hang around do they have enough offensively to do so yeah I mean if you look at what the Colts have allowed the last three weeks I mean the the numbers are staggering how bad the defense has been and so this is a good opportunity for Bryce Young and maybe if he got some momentum and and, uh, a little got some of the pressure off last week by getting the win with that fourth quarter drive if he can come out there and uh, i think they've got some players that are capable they the first thing they got to do they got to find a way to run the ball so you know the colts can't pin their ears back and go after him um but after that you mentioned Thielen. Uh, he's been playing really 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 well i can't even tell you how well he's played and uh dj chark the other wide receiver they feel like you know he's been limited with injuries but i think he may be able to play this week and then again, the rest of it, you got Mingo, their the rookie receiver. He's he's been playing better. They'll have to kind of piecemeal it together and see what they can do. Um, they've, they've had some stretches there where, um, you know, they were hoping Miles Sanders was going to be the answer with the, uh, the running back, and he was going to be able to be receiver and a, a running threat for him. He hasn't been there. That's why Chuba Hubbard's starting. But, um, yeah, I, I think they've got enough pieces. I don't know if they can get in a big – big shootout with the the Colts, but I think they've they've got enough pieces where they can, if you can get a game in the 20s, I think it's going to be manageable for them. How would you say Bryce Young has performed? Because I feel like a lot of people, like on a national level, they watched a couple of games and then the Panthers kind of getting lost in the shuffle (laughs) more times than not when they're playing with a bunch of other games going on. So for someone like you who's watched Bryce Young each and every week, what would you say he's doing well and what he's struggling at so far this season? Yeah, the one thing he had a problem with early, I mean, he obviously had a couple turnovers, interceptions in the first game, but turnovers hurt him early. And what he's learned as a pro is how important that consistency is. And so they're, they're really working on that right now. He's been focused on being a more consistent player. You saw it last week where he had a passer rating of over 100 for the first time this season. And you, 
especially that the game-winning drive they had. I think he completed all but one pass, and that pass was a drop by Hayden Hurst. So he seemed to have found what he needs to do, even with the pressure he's under from the pass rush, uh, to, to be that consistent player and not make the critical errors uh, that's costing them games. So if he can avoid the, the turnovers and, and just keep pressing forward and then build on what they did last week, I, I think he's actually played well. C.J. Stroud, who was taken number two by the Texans, you know, when people were talking last week of comparing the two, he said, Bryce is really not playing that bad. You know, you've got a turnover or two here that kind of makes people believe that he's playing worse than he is. I, I think for a rookie, if you look at a rookie quarterback taking number one have done overall, and there's only been one with a winning record uh, since 1967. So the fact that he's, you know, he's one in five and if the team's one in six, it's, it's not a stunner out there because it's really tough for the situation those guys coming up. But I think he's shown mainly through the processing and, and ability to move forward and not dwell on his mistakes and get down on himself. Those are the key things that have shown me he's making progress. And, again, that fourth-quarter drive, uh, they hadn't had a game-winning come-from-behind drive since 2018 when Cam Newton did it. And to get that and to get players and teammates believing that he can be that guy that can lead them, I think that's that's really key for this team. David Newton covers the Panthers for ESPN.com. David, I love narrative or not a good revenge game. It always gets me excited, even if it's just bubbling at the surface. It might not really matter as much as the media and the fans want to make it out to be. With Frank Reich, outwardly it appears that, that he does not feel the same way, but do you expect that to be still prevalent from his guys, knowing that, hey, our coach got tossed midseason last year. Let's go out and win one for him. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Frank Frank's not a guy that's bitter. He said he's not bitter over what happened. But is it, was his pride hurt? I, I think it probably was. I mean, who who's wouldn't be? But uh, And I think that's what this is all about for him, is showing that you know he can be that guy that, that he was early with the Colts that helped him get to the playoffs a couple of times. It helped him overcome the, the uncertainty he had at quarterback for, for most of the last five years. So for him, I think that's important. And what's, what's really stood out for me, what I've learned this week, uh, not only you know, the, the Colts players still loved Frank Wright when he was fired. I mean, they they believed in him, and they I think they would have continued to fight for him last year. And, and the current team that Frank has at Carolina, even when they were always six, the players never lost faith in him. He never lost the locker room. And I think that's, that's really key. And um, I, I think you got some Colts players that would like to see Frank Wright win every week, except for this one. But, again, I, I think that will be a motivating factor. I think these players love him and they want to they show you know, the Colts that maybe they made a mistake in moving on from him. Well, hey, David, appreciate the time, man. Hope you enjoy the game on Sunday. Not too much, obviously, right? Like <laughs> from an Indianapolis standpoint, but uh, hope uh, hope all goes well uh, as long as the Colts can win. I don't know if you can agree to that or not. <laughs> I have no bone in this one. I just like somebody's going to win the game. I want to write a story, and we'll move on. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, uh, have a good weekend, David. We'll catch you down the road. Appreciate it, guys. There he is, David Newton, covers the Panthers for ESPN.com. I like that. That that sounds, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but that sounds like a guy who's covering a one-in-six football team, you know? <laughs> the game's going to happen. I'm going to write a story, 
And God willing, the sun will come up the next day. I, you know? I, it, it does a little bit, but I would also go to bat and say that, uh, that that is a mark of a true journalist there. He knows he's on the beat. He doesn't have a dog in the fight. He's just hoping that uh, the revenge game is palatable enough for some excitement. Yeah, no doubt. All right, coming up next, we got picks. And we got bets to make potentially here, Jimmy. I've got a suggestion. We'll see if you're up for it. Doesn't involve shaving off an eyebrow or, you know, shaving your head or no shaving whatsoever. Technological betting proposal. Hmm. That's on the way. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarian Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.